Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Froek. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And unfortunately, this guest sales manager is terrible. We have a man named Alan Shen. He works for a company called Pave. And the sales leader at Pave's name is Armand. Nick, why would people listen to this episode knowing how poorly coached this man has been? <laughs> well... You know, I don't even know what to say to that. So despite Alan's sales leader's deep, deep shortcomings, Alan has turned out to be a pretty great salesperson. And it's not only because of the way that he prospects or the way that he cold calls customers. It's actually in the way that he is extremely intentional with his time and his process. And so if you're a salesperson that feels like sometimes you're spinning your wheels or you're exhausting yourself doing research and personalizing emails, Alan has some stuff that, like, I feel like if you implement some of the things that he does, you could see a 20, 30% bump in your productivity with a significant decrease in the amount of cognitive energy that you spend on your research and work. All righty, folks. He's looking lean. His emails are mean. A three, two, one. It's Mr. Aladdin. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. 
This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. All right, Alan, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. So the the first one is use the 80-20 rule to focus on the right accounts. Uh, Certain accounts in your book have better ROI than others. For example, a closed loss account, which is an account you've engaged in a previous sales cycle with, it's more likely that to get them to re-engage in, with you in conversation compared to a net new account, a completely new account that's never you've never heard of before or they've never heard of you before. So what to do here is bucket the different types of accounts and prioritize them based on ROI. For example, tier one, closed loss. Tier two, previous meeting, you've met with them in the past. Tier three, they've had given you a warm response uh, through email or phone and work through them based on that priority. Beautiful. What's number two, Alan? Yeah, number two is uh, stay organized and never let opportunities slip through the cracks. I think um, as an SDR, your job can get real noisy, real messy. And so when it comes to your inbox, for example, that's potential opportunities awaiting your response. In, in order to really tackle that, have the zero inbox rule so nothing gets slipped through the cracks. A prospect asks you to reach out in three months. Create an automated reminder to reach back out in two and a half months so that way you don't have to physically remember to do so. And lastly, you learn something interesting about your account uh, through a cold call or through an email response. Even though it might not be useful now, like write it down your Salesforce account for, for future reference. So that way, either you or your teammate, whoever's going to approach this account later on in the future, you have some content there to work with. Very nice. Round us out. What's number three, Alan? Yeah. Build feedback loops to refine your techniques. I think oftentimes it can get difficult to find consistent improvement in the SDR job. It can seem monotonous, but really the best way that I've found to continuously improve is set up recurring times to their colleagues or mentors or managers to shorten the feedback loop and consistently improve rather than getting feedback once every quarter. What if you got feedback once every two weeks? Um, exchange the tips that have worked well, your cold call openers, ways to approach your book, subject lines that have high open rates, any tactical advice um, that can be helpful to you and your teammates. All righty, Alan. So you know you need to work five accounts per day, 20, 25 accounts per week, for example. So let's say that you want to go about finding five accounts to work today. How do you do it? Yeah, the best way to do it is sort of similar to what I mentioned earlier, is finding out accounts that say, hey, have uh, the highest percentage ROI in terms of their response rates. So the ones that have worked well the best for me are any accounts I've had previous history with us, essentially. Um, and breaking that down into three buckets. First is closed lost, which is you've had long-term conversations, multiple calls. Second, previous meeting, you've met with them once or twice in the past. And third is anytime somebody has responded to you by email or phone. Um, I would categorize it that way. Look through Salesforce, create a report to find folks that fit those categories and work through them um, in that order. So, Alan, we've found five accounts, whether they're closed loss, previous warm responses, previous meetings, whatever, but we have five accounts in our hands, and now we actually want to start tearing apart each of those accounts. How do we go about doing that? What are we looking for? The first thing to look for is really just disqualifying any accounts that you don't want to waste any of your time on, right? There's plenty of accounts you see that is HQ'd in San Francisco, but half their employees are international, which may not fit your ICP, may not be uh, the type of account that your company and your team wants to go after. Get rid of those accounts up front. Um, Get rid of everything that that may not be extremely relevant or even remotely relevant to what you're trying to do. Again, spend the time on the 20% of accounts that are going to yield 80% of the results in in your final book. 
Alan, one of the things that I have learned from Armand over the years is when you're looking at an account and determining, should I be contacting this organization or not? There's often, he calls them buying triggers. I think of them as triggers for a reason to reach out. And one of the things that I understand is that you're extremely systematic about your prospecting. Let's say you're looking at Greenfield territory. You've got a list of 500 prospective accounts that you could be reaching out to, and you want to get through them as efficiently as possible. Can you talk to me about like what would your process be to be able to rip through all of those so that you can start finding contacts and sequencing and either getting in or getting out with that account? Yeah. So the first thing to do is not to do all 500 at once. <laughs> I think I fell into that trap previously where I'm trying to tier and research all my accounts, uh, the entire, you know, all in one go. And uh, I think that definitely is not the way to do it. Um, you just not have enough time to actually do the outreach you need. So um, typically the way I would like to do it is I'm splitting up 25 accounts to 50 accounts every single week. Um, and the things I'm looking for are specific triggers that I've found that I've worked previously in the past when it comes to responses. So um, customizations on things like how fast are they growing? Are they hiring a lot of people? Are they the only HR contact in this entire team? So looking at, at a team context, um, all these different types of buying triggers, I'm making a note of it while I'm doing my prospecting. So that way, the customization that I've, I've discovered, these certain variables that I'm looking for, will go into my emails automatically after during the, uh, uh, the sequencing process. And then extremely tactical question here, but you're finding these nuggets when you're looking at these, when you're doing your account research, where are you actually putting the, the nuggets that you find so that they don't just get lost in cyberspace? Yeah, great question. So the setup is on my left-hand side is a spreadsheet that includes the name of the accounts and the specific variables are all individual uh, rows that are in the spreadsheet itself. Um, so the way that it works on the right-hand side would be your LinkedIn, Crunchbase, your Gong, your Salesforce, anything where you're, will, you will be extracting information from. So every time I find a nugget of information from a specific tab, say on LinkedIn, I transfer that piece of information to the left-hand side on the spreadsheet. And my goal is to never have to reopen any of the tabs on the right ever again. It's get everything I need on the left. And by the time I finish uh, researching, I have my outreach on the right-hand side and still the same spreadsheet on the left-hand side. I just transfer over the information. It's almost copy and paste. Not that much uh, thought. Uh, you know, a lot of the pre-work has already been done, just putting it over to uh, into the email itself. So you've got this spreadsheet with all of these different columns of information you're looking for to inform your prospecting outreach. And I know this is going to be specific to PAVE, but for the benefit of the audience to understand like the things that you're looking for. Can you give me a sense of what's on that spreadsheet and why is that important for your outreach? Yeah, totally. So I think just to provide a bit more context about um, what, our, what our company does and, and what things I'm looking for specifically, um, we're in the HR tech space. So what we're really trying to do here is to figure out a way to automate folks' compensation philosophy. So we're targeting HR personas, people who are in spreadsheets trying to run merit cycles or trying to communicate and work with, work with folks on their team to help them understand their total rewards as an example. So things that matter to me are, for example, the growth rate. The growth rate matters because if the company is growing very fast, chances are the spreadsheets that they have to do when it comes to merit cycle season is going to get real tough. Or another thing that you can think about or, or translate is if they're growing really fast, that typically means that the company is doing quite well. Um, and you want to translate and help that help employees understand the upside of the business. Um, and, and that are, is all sort of things that relate back to exactly what we do and a specific variable that I would be looking after. 
Another example would be your VCs. You know, we work with Andreessen portfolio companies using that as a reference. And we do have a bunch of Andreessen portfolio companies in our database. So referencing that thing specifically and saying, almost using FOMO as a way to get folks who want to talk to us has been a really great way to, to, to get them to engage to our emails. And Alan, when you're doing your research, one thing that I've noticed about you is you keep it really tight. You're not looking for every single thing in the world. You're really looking for the same three things over and over and over again, right? Is, is there ever a world in which you're spending like more than five minutes researching a counter, pulling in other stuff, or is it pretty much the same thing every time? In the beginning, I definitely spent a lot more time finding and looking really deeply into an account to find maybe 10 different things for me to inform my decision. And um, the reason why we do that in the beginning, I think it's to train our muscle of figuring out uh, prioritization, right? We tier all our accounts that we work through, A tier, B tier, C tier, with A tier being accounts that you want to spend the most time on. Um, in the beginning, I think you do want to look through all, uh, all the different variables to inform your decision there, just because you're not, that muscle hasn't been worked yet. You've been doing this for a few months now. Um, you can really typically look at an account and be able to almost immediately say, hey, this is an A tier, I want to spend a lot of time here, or not, this is a C tier, I probably won't need to spend too much time here based on specific indicators. Um, and once you get to that level, I think you only really need to pick out the few points of customization you'll need for your email specifically uh, and not everything else in the rest of that process. Well, where I've seen this done really well is in your early days of email writing and tailoring, you should be looking at everything because there's so much information out there. And what you should start to do is make a note of what are the common sources of information that you're putting when you're personalizing and customizing your email. And you'll start to recognize patterns and trends. And then what you do is you take the top five to six patterns or trends of sources of information. And like you said in the beginning, you 80-20 it. And yes, you could spend an extra 26 minutes going deep into an account research. But unless you're in like extreme enterprise sales where you have four accounts in your book of business, it's probably not worth your time to do that much more research because like 26 minutes you spend researching Armand's account is like you could spend sequencing 12 other accounts with the 80-20 stuff that you're doing. I think to your point about uh, choosing those variables and, and identifying the trends to them, another great way to sort of build further on top of that is is A-B testing the different variables, right? I think in the beginning, for, for example, the way that we test our, our subject lines, it used to just be account name slash compensation planning. And uh, one of the things that Armand taught us was, hey, how about let's work through VCs. Let's think about that. Let's use that relationship there to see if we'll get people to open up our emails. Um, and so what I started doing was A-B testing subject line with the name of the VC slash uh, merit cycle or compensation planning. And the open rates on that were significantly higher than the open rates on just account name slash compensation planning. Um, and so I think that was also another way where one, we first noticed the trends of things that may work. And second is validating that idea um, using data. So Alan, one thing that I've observed with you is you're looking for one of three triggers pretty much every single time. And one of the things I know you're good at is not rewriting the same email over and over, for example, if a company is growing. So can you walk us through like, hey, you notice three, four, five, 10 companies are all having employee growth. How do I start to personalize at scale and make sure I don't reinvent the wheel every single time I find that trigger? So I think it all comes down to the wording of the email specifically, where things are ambiguous enough to know that um, you know, that it fits in every single time you use that, use that variable, for example. Um, but at the same time, it looks personalized that you spent time uh, you know, creating that email itself. So for example, um, one thing I would say is, you know, 
during one of my emails that I reach out when it comes to people ops uh, personas is, you know, hey, first name, we've heard from other HR folks in the VC portfolio that the upcoming marriage cycle is typically a massive headache. So an ex- a sentence like that, you can throw in any VC and it'll still make sense, right? Later on, uh, a part of the email is, hey, and given that your account name has X percent growth last year, I can only imagine all the comp and cap table reports you'll be forced to pull into 47 different spreadsheets on your next merit cycle. Again, any number you throw into that X will work, no matter what number that is. So uh, creating generalized enough messaging where it still feels customized is sort of the way to go about it. And then my question here is, okay, so this sounds like it's probably a very early email in the process. What is your process for, okay, they don't respond to that email and then you call them a couple days later and you get deeper and deeper in the sequence. Do you continue to weave in the variables that you found in your research or do you then defer just to auto emails that are more generalized and don't have specific information there? What does that almost decay curve of personalization look like for you? I think typically the decay curve does seem to kick in later on in the sequence, but um, there are still instances where I still want to use the personalization to my advantage. So for example, it would be cold calling, right? When I'm cold calling someone, uh, I have my outreach first emails open. So if in the case that they pick up the call and I am giving them and I've gone to the pitch, right? Cold call opener, all sorted. Can I borrow 27 seconds? All good to go. Um, I'm weaving in different points of customization. I'm saying, hey, look, um, you know, I, I, we work with a ton of folks from the, uh, the Sequoia portfolio. And so typically what I've heard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, later on, again, during the part of the pitch, I, I saw that you guys are growing 30% last year. Congrats on that, by the way. Um, I could really typically only imagine that you'll run into a ton of uh, marriage cycle planning problems with all your spreadsheets. So I think it still gets weaved in at certain aspects, less so from the emails itself, um, but still it's still usable, I think, later down the track when you're calling them. And then if you get to the end of an, a sequence on an account, right, you've sent a bunch of emails, you made a bunch of calls to maybe three or four different people there, and you feel like you've exhausted that account, but it's still part of your patch. Are you saying, all right, I'm abandoning these folks. I'm not going to go after them ever again. Are you setting a reminder for three months, six months later down the line to re-engage that account? What's your process look like for, okay, they didn't bite at all this time? So the way that I had all my accounts uh, prospecting set up was mostly through Salesforce reporting. So for example, there would be one report that's for all closed loss, one report for all previous meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Within these reports themselves, there's also a filter for time. So when it says Days not days since last touched over 30 days, for example. So say I'm working an account, um, I've exhausted every angle that I can. Um, I honestly just let it sit because I know for a fact that in a month, it is going to reappear into one of my reports. So that way it's just going to sit and fall into my lap. I just look through that report again. I haven't touched it in 35 days. It's time for me to hit it up again. The way that I like to, to sort of uh, work through them is I have a, a set number of reports, say five or six, and every single month, week one, I'm working through the first report. Week two, I'm working through the next. Week three, I'm working through the next report. If in the case, say week one, there's not enough content there, then I, I, I slip into week two's report and I try to grab some to work for this week. And typically I have enough set up there um, that I will have enough to kind of uh, to roll through so that consistently every single week, there's enough accounts for me to work in. Uh, at the end of the month, since uh, th- the way that our team works, we have a timeline of about 30 days before we can hit up an account again. Um, that's sort of the time frame that I have set up for each of these reports. So this this one is key. So to break it down for everyone in the audience, One thing that a lot of teams do is they have their SDRs 
trolling the activity logs. And if you've been in business for a long time, sometimes an SDR will have to scroll for one account through six years of cold emails <laughs> every 30 days. Someone like Alan is reaching out to these people and you're just scrolling for everyone and everyone knows Salesforce doesn't load, sorry. And so what Alan is doing is he's pulling a report that says, show me any activities on an account where the comment on the activity says brackets in, which is just the code for an email came in instead of an email went out. And now you can literally just look at every reply that you have ever gotten from a customer and skim the cream off the top instead of spending hours trolling Salesforce activity from the beginning to end. Another example of how you can utilize this little trick um, is during Gong, right? So Gong is a great place to look up closed, lost, or previous history because you can watch all the previous, uh, you know, uh, calls and activities that have, have happened on an account. But a little trick that I noticed is if you're in the search bar and you type in the name of an account and there's a little building icon next to the name, that means there's history there and you should click in and go watch. But if there's no little building icon, that means there's no history there at all. You should just skip over it. So there's little little things like that you can look out for that will help your prospecting and research process just go by a lot faster. So when you pick up an account, you are typing the name of the account into Gong. And if there's a building next to it, that means there is a recorded call. And if not, that means you've never met with them. So obviously the ones that have buildings next to them, they're, they're your top tier accounts. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Alan, one of the things you put in the prep doc was you talk about squeezing the juice out of all of your available resources. And I can tell you got Armand excited because I don't think he knew the building Gong thing. What other <laughs> ways are you squeezing the juice out of all of the available resources you have to you? I know you've got some, I guess, unconventional tricks. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of resources out there for people to, to fully utilize that can, one, either you know help them find more accounts or save some time that it's embedded as part of the free tools that the company gives you, but we don't really dig into it. Um, I think Salesforce porting is a very big example there where it's kind of scary to, to figure out how to use this tool. But once you have that, that can be part of your system. So you, you can consistently work through your book with, with, with less issues, right? Um, Hunter.io, for example, we, we use a bunch of different softwares to try to find emails, but oftentimes they're not going to give you the right email. So why don't we sign up for Hunter.io, which is a completely free software to, to validate at least any every single email that comes in if you think it's a little bit off. Even more interesting tricks, I think, like LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is, is a tool that we probably all use for our prospecting. But oftentimes what, what will happen is they won't a prospect won't put their last full last name um, on their LinkedIn page. So for example, it would be Alan S. And one trick that I found out there was if you really notice in the URL section, sometimes they will put their full sort of username there. Um, and oftentimes that includes their last name. So if the email that you need to reach out to is first out last, there you go. You just found their last name to sort of, to sort of utilize there. Um, Zoom Info has intent scoring, right? So uh, for some magical reason, they have a real interesting way you can find out whether or not someone's been looking into you um, and using that again as signal to figure out whether or not um, this account is one, interested in you, two, if they exist, if they don't exist in your Salesforce account, grab that and just work it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Alan, you've got all of these different things going on. You're researching accounts, you're tiering them in the spreadsheet, you're plugging emails into hunter.io, you're writing snippets, you're personalizing at scale, you're making cold calls. There are so many things going on in your day. Could you give me a sense of how do you structure your day every single day as an SDR? 
staying consistent, that was a big part of what I think what sort of helped me um, just achieve better results. And so the way that would look like is um, I would split it down into in, in, in the whole week format is Monday and Wednesdays would be the research and tiering days. Tuesdays and Thursdays would be the days I'm sequencing. And Wednesday slash Friday would be the days that I'm actually sending things out. And so consistently, if I'm doing 50 accounts a week, on Monday, I'm doing 25 accounts in the afternoons. I'm researching and tiering. Um, I'm getting buddy, everybody's right emails and, and getting ready for them to, to ship into outreach. Tuesday mornings, I'm putting them into outreach and trying to get them through all as fast as possible. If I get through all 25, I'm starting to send them out in the afternoon. If I don't get through them on Wednesdays, I'm starting to send them all out. Um, and Wednesday afternoon, I repeat the same process, uh, rinse and repeat, 25 accounts in the afternoon and get everything out by the next week. Are there days that you are not doing any outbound activity and you're only focused on adding accounts slash researching? Yeah, great question. No, so a, a big part of that I didn't mention would, would be the outbounding. So for example, in the mornings, I like to maintain that as, as cold calls, right? That's another thing that I think Armand and the team taught me really well was be consistent if you're doing $200 a week do 40 a day. So there's a similar block on my, in my mornings where it's like 10 to 11, typically, or nine to 11, where I'm just cold calling. And every time I have meetings or anything else, it, it gets slotted between those big time blocks. And in afternoons, I always want to maintain and keep that research and tiering block there as well. And it's become a really good habit because I think, and sometimes when, look, we all fall behind sometimes, right? And it's a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I mentally know now I should have had already 30 account sequence ready to go, but I've only had 15. So I need to step up and, and, and get to that number. So that way I know I'm hitting my weekly goal. And that mini goal aspect of it has been really helpful. So, so Alan, just to play this back, how you're planning your week. Uh, each day, you're doing a little bit of outbound, right? So a little bit of cold calling every single day, oftentimes in the morning. But every day, you are taking sort of the the, the non-golden tasks of account research, sequencing, what have you, and you're breaking those into different activities across different days. So on your first day, it might be finding 25 accounts. On Tuesday, it's researching 25 accounts. On Wednesday, it's sequencing 25 accounts. And then you lather, rinse, repeat. Is there a reason that you're doing that instead of doing five every single day all the way through? I've toyed around with different sort of mechanisms here before, where before I would do 40 accounts uh, to 50 accounts all up front, all the research, and start sequencing halfway through the week, get the accounts ready for the week afterwards. But to be honest, I, I just get bored too easily with doing all the research up front. And I wanted to figure out a way that would, you know, stimulate myself and encourage myself to be able to, to get through the work in a very consistent basis. And I found that the half-half uh, sort of numbers, that, that worked well for me. But look, I, I know other people that like to do 5, 10, 10 a day and, and sort of rinse and repeat the process. Others who like to do everything in one go. Um, I personally have just found it more palatable for myself to do it half-half or else it just gets, uh, I get really in the weeds. Alan, this has been a phenomenal one. we got to move to our final question, which is, we've talked about a bunch of great things salespeople should be doing. We're going to flip that on its head and ask about the inverse. So the last question is this. What is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? I think taking things too personally. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, this SDR job or a sales job, it's not about you. 
right? Like the timing's not right for them. It's not because they hate you. It's not because, you know, uh, you know, you're not doing a good job. Sometimes it's, it's just, it is what it is. And I think, um, managing your psychology when it comes to, to the sales job will, will help a lot. It's definitely something I'm still learning to do. It's not the easiest thing, but just get out of your own heads, man. It's, it's, it's not your fault and just move on to the next thing. Cause you know that the volume is, is, is really what that matters. Put your outbound work in, get your dials in, um, hit up your accounts. You're going to get more opportunities where you're not going to screw things up. And the faster you get out of your own way, the, the faster you're going to hit quota and just do better. Very nice. Alan, thanks so much for joining us. Everybody, stick around for a 60-second recap from Armand and myself coming up soon. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three your solution and call to action exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Alan Chen include number one, when you're planning your week, plan your week in a way where you can time block certain activities that are non-golden hour activities. For example, on Monday, you may research 25 accounts. On Tuesday, you may pull the contacts on those 25 accounts. And on Wednesday, you may sequence those 25 accounts and then repeat on Thursday. Number two, when you're pulling those accounts, Run a Salesforce report that tracks for anything that is an account that has an in email on that account. Number three, once you have that list of accounts, research the same three or four triggers on the account every single time. And then lastly, number four, build snippets that scale through each of those triggers. For example, you might have a snippet that says, noticed you grew XX percent, and then all you do is you just change the percent for each company. All righty, Nick, how could people help us out here? Would you like to receive a written message from Nick and Armand on a monthly basis where we share some of our best breakdowns of 30 Minutes to President's Club? Well, you're in luck because we actually have one. You can sign up for the 30 Minutes to President's Club newsletter in today's show notes. We promise we won't send you more than one a month unless we get really, really desperate. We'd love to see your name on the email list because when I'm bored, I love scrolling through all of the thousands of people that have signed up. That's how exciting my life is. But we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club.
Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes.